our announcements this morning. Uh, I just wanted to remind you uh, that uh, the uh, First Baptist Church here in Fortuna, that's up on uh, Scenic Drive, the one that's way up on the hill over there, uh, is uh, having a uh, conference. Uh, they call it a Sound Doctrine Conference. They've been doing various uh, subject areas. This one is Pillar and Be- Pillar and Bustress of the Truth. The church is the pillar and the bustress of truth. And uh, it will be Friday and Saturday, uh, April 29th and 30th. And there are flyers on the table out there giving you all the information about it. And if you are interested in going, pick up one of those flyers. Uh, from everything that I can see, it's going to be a, a very uh, good time in in dealing with the some of the doctrines of the church, and so look forward to it. The uh, Also, uh, just a, a reminder that uh, uh, because of the COVID restrictions and stuff, people say, are any of those still in effect? Yes, a few of them are still being used, and one of them would be like handling something that you pass around. And so while communion and our offering, we don't pass the, the offering tray or the communion trays around yet. And so the offering is up here on the communion table as well as the communion. So that when we share in communion, uh, while we are sharing in the communion song, you will come up and pick up your communion and uh, go back to your seats and then we'll share communion afterwards. So just letting you know how that all comes together. Um, in prayer needs this morning, uh, there is a, a bug going around. And it seems to be impacting people for anywhere from a couple of days to a week. And, and so we just want God to introduce a few people in the congregation uh, have got it. And uh, we just uh, ask that God would break the cycle. Uh, our son Chris has got a bad cough. And uh, so he had a, a scan this week. And we would just pray that he gets the results fast. Sometimes they just play out a long period of time, and sometimes they forget to even call you, so you kind of have to take the initiative. So we just wanted to get the results of what's going on there. And also, uh, friends of our family, uh, the Daly family, uh, Becky Daly passed away this last week from cancer, and we want to pray for her family, her children, uh, Travis and Bailey, and just uh, lift them up in prayer this morning. Barry. And Barry, her. Yeah. I forgot. You know the prayer needs this morning. Um, Bob, it's not the prayer needs, but announcement about the Good Friday service, right? Okay, I don't have that information with me. Oh, okay, because I found it on Facebook. Um, I forget the date, but it's a uh, uh, river uh, walk. River walk, okay, and it's the uh, Easter's on the seventeenth, is it of April? Okay, so, so yeah, okay. Let's uh, go ahead and pray together. Father, we thank you again for your love and your mercy, for the reality that you know our needs before we even pray, and that you love us to come and and enjoy our fellowship with you, and and to come to you as as our Father and ask for our needs to be met. And so, Father, we come bringing the needs of our congregation and our friends, 
we come bringing, uh, asking you, Lord, to break the cycle of the uh, cold and flu bug that's been going around and, and uh, just uh, bring strength and health to those who have got it and we uh, heal you. We pray for Chris and we ask, Lord, that you would bring healing to his body, that the skin would come back showing that there's nothing serious wrong, but just uh, a little bit of, of taking care of himself and uh, will take care of the situation. That's what we ask for, Lord. And, and we ask that you would be with the baby family, be with Travis and Bailey and Barry, and, and uh, just uh, minister to them, bring people alongside the family that will that know you and, and, and uh, can comfort them, Lord. There's only you can do. Father, as we open your word this morning, we ask that you'd open our hearts and our minds through the Holy Spirit, that you would uh, cause us to, to glean something from the scriptures this morning that will strengthen our walk with you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning we're continuing in the book of First Peter. Uh, we're finishing up chapter 3 and maybe jump into a, a few thoughts from chapter 4. Um, well, actually, we probably won't finish chapter 3 today. As I'm looking at it and thinking about it, uh, uh, the scriptures we're going to go through today are considered some of the toughest scriptures there are in trying to figure out what's going on. And I will tell you that there are as many as commentaries, there's just about as many opinions. Uh, one person says part of this, this verse, this, this uh, passage, there's nine, nine words that have uh, nine, each word having different meanings according to who interprets it. So uh, it's a very difficult passage to, dif- to, to uh, get out of the, uh, everything that Peter is wanting to say. So I decided to break it into two parts. The part I want you to see today is the part that is obvious. In other words, the thing that is most important that I believe Peter was wanting his uh, readers to understand and to get. And then we'll pick up the next one, uh, the, the other part of this next week. But let's read the scripture together. And it's First Peter chapter 3, starting with the 18th verse. For Christ also suffered... Died, possibly, that word suffered there is, 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 could be also suffered and died. Once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through water. Verse 21, Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of the dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers, having subjected to him. Now, one of the first questions that comes to you when you read a verse like this, if, if you're familiar with Scripture, is you'll turn around and say, who are these uh, people you know, that are in prison that he went 
and preached to. And, and, and while he was in the grave, it sounds like, really, between his, as you put this together, between his death and his resurrection. It says, in the spirit that he did this. And we'll talk about that next Sunday. Uh, what, I want to, what, what I really feel is the important part of the passage is what I want to share with you right now. Look at verse 18. It says, For Christ also suffered once for sins and righteousness for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. And then look down to uh, just before verse 22, the last part of verse 21. It says, Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. That's what I want to focus on this morning. And that is a complete thought all by itself. It's kind of like Paul put a little parenthesis in the middle of, of, of something here, and, and we want to, to get the meaning of the key thought. And again, this idea that we've been going for is how do we live as exiles in the world today? That's what uh, Peter says we are. We are exiles in the world today. We are aliens in the world today. Uh, We don't belong to to the world. We belong to the kingdom of God if we have confessed Jesus Christ as our Savior. So we're citizens of heaven, not citizens of this world. And so the scripture tells us we are in the world but not of it. We are passing through like sojourners or pilgrims through the world and waiting for the opportunity to be with Christ. And so uh, this scripture, what is, is clear in this scripture is that there, you know, Christ is goes through suffering and yet there's a tremendous victory in, in, in the process. And so I might call this a victory or triumph in Christ. And so uh, I want to look, like I said, at the core of what I see this, this, this victorious Christ through his suffering. So go back again to verse 18. It says, Christ suffered and he died once for sins. Okay, he, he, he suffered, and the idea of suffered here is that he went through pain and suffering and anguish. Think about how, when the suffering really took hold of him was in the Garden of Gethsemane. When he looked ahead to the cross, and it says that the suffering was so, uh, so overwhelming that he actually sweat. Luke tells us he actually sweat uh, uh, blood. And I recall a uh, conference where, uh, that I was at one time where a doctor was one of the speakers and he had explained that that literally can happen. It's, it's intense suffering that the, the, the blood vessels are, are merged in, 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 and the, the capillaries can't handle the, the pressure and they actually bleed out through the sweat pores of uh, blood. And that's not the anguish that Jesus was going through. And so his suffering is there. And, and as he looks to the cross, what was he concerned about? It doesn't say that he was not wanting to go to the cross. What he was suffering from was the reality of what would happen on the cross. Why was Jesus going to the cross? He was going to do what? Pay the penalty of sin to accomplish the, 
the, the, the, the, the penalty of sin in order to redeem us, to deliver us from sin, from our own sins. And so we have to come first to this question as you look at this. You know, what is the penalty of sin? And we all would probably, I'm looking at who's here this morning, most of us would, would jump quickly to, to Romans chapter 6, verse 23 and say, the wages of sin is death. Okay, and when, when Paul writes that, he's looking at this in the sense of death being a complete death, meaning not only death of the body, but death of the, the spirit. And what that really means is the spirit doesn't die in a physical sense. The spirit goes on, but it is separated from the Father. Spiritual death is being separated from the Father. When we are delivered, when we are redeemed, when we come into Christ, we are made spiritually alive. And so this is in order to pay this penalty of, of us being separated from the Father, both physically and spiritually, because of our refusal to accept him and to, and to sin. And because we have sinned, Jesus goes to the cross and he suffers for us. And the reason also we have to understand this is that because there is absolutely nothing we can bring to God of our own or of this world that is not tainted by sin. No animal will suffice. Nothing that I can do will suffice. It requires a perfect, holy sacrifice. And so before the foundation of the world, it was decided that this would be what Christ would do. He would come and be that perfect, holy sacrifice. A man without sin going to the cross and experiencing the separation physically and spiritually from God. And he would die in the flesh. His flesh would cease to breathe. His, his body would literally die. And so that's basically what this, this scripture is telling us. Uh, Christ suffered once for sins. He was the righteous one, the sinless one. And he did this for the unrighteous, us. All who are believers are sinners, and so he's done this for us, that he might, what, bring us to God, to redeem us, to deliver us, and to bring us, so when God would look at us, he would say, you are covered by my son's blood. You are covered by his holy sacrifice. And I see you through that, and I accept you. His death bodily and his burial in a tomb and his resurrection by the way was also bodily. When they went to the tomb it was empty. Why? Because Jesus had resurrected. His body wasn't the same as it was before. There was something amazingly different about it. 
But it was a physical bodily resurrection. And he had the nail scars in his hands. He had the scar on the side where where he had been uh, pierced on the cross. In fact, Thomas, he says, he he says, until I see those things, I I don't believe that it's him. And when Thomas saw, he fell on his knees and said, my Lord, my God. On the cross, when Jesus said, it is finished, it meant literally, the debt is paid in full. For all who will believe, Jesus died on the cross. God says he gave his only son, that whosoever believed in him would not perish but have eternal life. When he said it was finished, the price was paid in full. So, again, Christ suffered, died once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, deliver us, save us, bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, he went and, and then he goes on to talk about what he did, which I will get into next week. This picture of, of, of Jesus, you know, uh, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring us to God, is a powerful, powerful picture. And then he goes on and, and, and he completes this passage with this picture of through the resurrection of Jesus Christ in verse 22, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God. The right hand of God is the place of authority. God has put him in the place of authority. We've heard the the expression, he's my right hand man, or something to that effect, or I am his right hand man. That means I'm the person that's in charge. I've been given the authority. I'm And it says very clearly that he is at the right hand of God. He is seated at the right hand of God. And and it says that he, with angels and authorities and powers, having been subjected to him. And this idea of angels, authorities, and powers is all angels. Fallen angels and heavenly angels. All authorities. Heavenly authority and, and earthly authority. All of it is under Christ. Under his sovereignty. There needs to be for us an understanding that God is absolutely sovereign, has always been absolutely sovereign, and that there is nothing that happens to us that doesn't filter through his permission. And sometimes that's hard for us. Because we deal with people that suffer and get sick and we say, why? But even in those things, God is using that to bring someone else to, you know, using our sickness and how we go through it as a witness to somebody else who might be going through it that's not saved. And they said, how can you do that? I do it through Jesus Christ, my Savior, and you're able to witness to them. And sometimes they're interested in, in hearing about Christ and even are led to being saved. 
God uses everything. Nothing goes to waste within the kingdom of God in the sense that he uses it to bring about the purposes of his kingdom, to build his kingdom, and in the process, build us up in his kingdom and make us stronger in our faith. Angels, authorities, powers are all subject to him. Our response to this, you see in, in, in chapter 4, where it says, Since therefore Christ suffered, and again that word suffered and died, in the flesh, we're supposed to do something. Arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. Now, who, what's thinking are we talking about? The, the thinking of, of Christ here. Us being used like Christ has been used. Okay. The same way of thinking for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. In other words, if you're thinking in the way that Christ has come and you have, uh, are, are in Christ suffering, he's covered your sin. So as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do. Living, and this is how the word unsaved lives here. Living in, in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgy, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised. When you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. In other words, they look at you and they say, you know, something negative about you because you don't participate in the worldly things that are degrading. You don't go out and get drunk. You don't go out and, and do the things, uh, you know, you look at adultery and idolatry and different things. As, as sin. And they're saying, no, everybody is free to do everything. As long as you don't hurt somebody else in the process, everything is okay. I'm okay, you're okay. Let's just go along. And that's not what the Scripture says. Scripture says you're either looking at God or you're not. You, and, and if you're looking at God and seeking God and have come to Him for salvation, you are a unique people. You are different than the rest of the world. And they look at you and they, 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 they say, you know, what, what's wrong with you? You give up every Sunday to go to church instead of going out and riding your four-wheeler. You know, you give, up, you, give, you give money to the church instead of spending it on a 60-inch on a, a TV. You know, you do this, you do that. And, and Why? Because we love our Savior. We see Jesus Christ and we're part of the kingdom of God. We do see the world differently. We do see life differently. We are a unique, or as Paul put it, peculiar people. We're supposed to stand out. Not because we lord it over other people in the sense of saying, look at me, I'm a Christian. But because through our lifestyle, through the way we live our lives, the way we talk, the way we treat other people. Even when we're maligned, we've talked to this earlier, even when we're maligned and, 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 and put down, and, and you know, uh, we turn around and give kindness. 
And the Lord looks at us like, what are you, doormats? Why don't you defend yourself? I don't need to. I've already been defended. Jesus Christ is my lawyer. And he stands before the throne of God on my behalf. And, and as a result, when I approach the throne of God, God looks at me through Jesus. I've been, I've been defended. Can't have a better defense. Can't have a better future than what I have. And we're told to be ready to give that kind of defense. Peter just, uh, just talked about that. Be ready to give a defense as to why you believe the way you do. People are going to ask if it's obvious in your life. So if you have confessed, let's just read it just so we're doing it right. Romans chapter 10. chapter 10, verses 10 and 9, uh, Paul writes these words. Now let's look at verse, start with verse 8. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is, the word of faith that we proclaim. In other words, you have faith. It's, it comes out in your speech and it's in your heart. Now the heart is the way they looked at the center of our being. We might say today it's in our thinking, in our brain, but the idea is it's, it's engulfed you. It's got you as, as a whole. It's not just a little bit, it's got all of you. Okay, so we have the word of faith that we proclaim. <coughs> Excuse me. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be delivered from your sins. Your sins will be covered. You will have eternal life. You will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in Jesus will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's who we are. Jesus suffered and died in the flesh so that we could be armed with this, be, be secure in this, have a same thinking, living for the will of God. God chooses us. Our redemption is through His blood. Look at Ephesians quickly in chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions, in all of our sufferings, 
and all the things that, that go wrong and, and all our health issues. He is there to comfort us so that we may be able to comfort those who are in, in, are in any affliction. With the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we are abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for our comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, with which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope is for you is unshaken. For we know, excuse me, I'm reading 2 Corinthians. I'm sorry, I missed it for you. For we know that to share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. So God has got this picture for us of great comfort through Jesus Christ. And, and it says that he chose us in Ephesians. It says he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us in the beloved. And in him we have redemption through his blood for forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Listen to this, because we sang this this morning. Which he lavished upon us. Lavished is to pour out abundantly and beyond what you need. He's given us more than enough. He's done it in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. And in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to this purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were in the, uh, were the first to hope in Christ might be in the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of faith, uh, truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. We are saved and we will stay saved. He who lived from the foundation of the world, I've chosen you, I've given you the Holy Spirit as a guarantee to carry you through to the end. And you are in Christ. You are saved. You have eternal life. What an amazing picture of God's grace. He did this through the cross for us. Every Sunday we share in communion. And as we approach communion, it is a way of, of acknowledging what Christ has done for us. In sharing and being reminded of what Christ has done for us. We give thanks for His grace that He has lavished, poured out in abundance on us. We thank him for his sacrifice. The words on the cross, it is finished. 
We rest in the security of his salvation. His guarantee through the Holy Spirit in us. We have eternal life. We have such an awesome God who has done everything in his power to open the door for us to be saved. He has done all the work. All we are called to do is to confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead and is our Savior. All who will do this will be saved. And in sharing communion together, we acknowledge what he has done. He gave his life physically. And that was from the point he was born in the flesh until he died on the cross. So we share in the bread as a representation of his flesh. God so loved the world that he gave his only son in the flesh. He died on the cross in the flesh for us. He shed his blood and Jesus said at the Last Supper, this is the blood of, my co- uh, of the covenant that, uh, that is poured out for you. What he is saying is this new covenant that he's, his blood is being poured out for is the covenant that brings the grace to us. That we rest in that of what he's done and we are saved. This morning I already mentioned it uh, we aren't going to pass the communion. You just come up here and pick it up. We have two different trays up here. One is a packet. Peel off the first part of the packet, and, the, and the, that's the bread. The second part of it, and you have access to the cup. And uh, if that's if you prefer to use that, you're free to do that. And in the other, we have the communion with two cups. The bottom cup has the bread. The top cup has the the, the fruit of the vine, the juice. And uh, so whichever makes you most comfortable, feel free to come. And we ask you to come up while we're singing to, to take in the communion. So let's go ahead and sing our song. Yours forever, my love. 
children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. As we come and share in what Christ has done for us, we are also to see ourselves entering into that relationship that we belong to God, that we are to offer ourselves also to be used of God, owned by God, a sacrifice to God. And that we would pour out our lives to serve him. Let's share in the bread together. Jesus said at the Last Supper, he came in the flesh, gave up his, bread, gave up his, uh, his life for us. Let us share. He also said that he poured out his blood. He allowed it to be shed. He gave up his life. He died in the flesh so that we could live in the Spirit. Let's share. Father, when we come to you, thanking you for these emblems that remind us of who you are, what you have done. The perfect sacrifice. With the words that is finished. You accomplished all that was necessary for our salvation. The perfect, holy sacrifice. We thank you. Cause us to live for you in such a way that these scriptures that we just read, that we would be imitators of you. That we would walk in love as you have loved us. That we would live our lives for God, for you. Cause us to be thoughtful, Lord, of the people around us, their needs, and especially, Lord, looking for those opportunities to share the words of salvation with others. We worship you and we praise you. We ask that you go with us as we go this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.
Would you stand for our closing song, please? Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Whose love is mighty and so much stronger? The King of Glory, oh, the King of Battle, Kings. Who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder and leaves us breathless in awe and wonder? The King of Glory, the King of Battle, Kings. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love That you would take my place That you would bear my cross You would lay down your life That I would be set free Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me Who brings our chaos back into order? Who makes the orphan a son and daughter? The King of Glory, the King of Battle, King. Who rules the nations with truth and justice? She's like the sun in all of its brilliance. The King of Glory, the King of Battle. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You would lay down your life. That I would be set free. Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Going with the rest of the day. Thank you so much.